without its clapper, and he almost forgot his terrors until a clamor of dogs came rushing out of the village. It seemed to the poor friar that they must have scented him and were dashing to put their teeth in his flesh. But then a thin ghost of a creature whipped past him through the dark of the night, and he realized that it was a coyote with a town curs in pursuit. The whole clamor rushed off through the darkness, and Fry Luis went straight on to the ruins. When he reached them, he had lamplight from the neighboring houses and starlight from heaven to see by. But his tears filled his eyes with darkness, and he had to sit for a long time on the base of a pillar before he could look about him. At last, Fry Luis raised his head very slowly. He could not believe that the huge old beams actually had rotted in the flame. But when he had dried his eyes, he made sure that the church and the monastery were indeed gone. It was hard to guess where one wall had stood, but as he crept about through the wreckage, the plan of the old building returned to his mind, and he found himself looking up to where once the flat head of the bell tower had leaned against the stars. The crypt entrance had laid back of that about twenty paces. He made those paces, marked the place, and then began to clear away the ruin. It was hard work, slow work. He had brought with him a short, heavy iron crowbar to help his hands, but the big, flat adobe bricks are almost as tough as fire-baked clay, and they stuck together in ponderous clots, which he barely could lift and roll. All that night he worked. Just in the dawn, he came down to a stone pavement. Wearily he cleared a larger space, but at last he realized that he had been mistaken. His dizzy brain had remembered steps, and now he found them, but they were steps leading up into the sacristy, not down into the crypt. No, no, for the crypt lay far off on the other side of the entire building. By this time it was clear daylight, so that Fry Lewis dared not attempt to steal off through the town. Instead, he curled himself up among the ruins and fell into a deep sleep, exhausted. By mid-morning, the intense heat had roused him. All the blood of his body was gathered in his poor old head. But in the ruins there was no shade, and he was afraid to show his face. So, through that sweltering day, he endured an agony stronger than anything he had known before. For he had drunk up all his water during the night, and this fire-hot sunshine sucked the moisture swiftly out of his body. The torment was worse even than that march of his through the mountain snows when one January he had carried medicine and good news to the little village of San Jose. He had felt for years that that was the supreme test of his endurance, but this day was worse, burning him like coals in a brazier. At last the day turned red. The evening rolled down like purple smoke from the Montilla Mountains, and then the stars shone once more. Thirst was swelling his tongue, but he dared not get a drink until the last noises had ended in the town. Therefore he forced his trembling hands to labor again, after he had marked, as well as he could, the probable position of the crypt entrance. It was nearly morning before the last dogfight and serenade had ended. Then Fry Luis crawled out from the ruin and got to the well. The very smell of the moisture made him impatient. He could almost have eaten the wet earth around the well where careless village girls had spilled gallons from their water jugs. Turning slowly, 
Slowly, the handle that wound up the rope and lifted the bucket, he managed so that the bucket rose with no more noise than the exquisite and tempting music of water adrip. Now it was in his grasp with the image of a star shattering and forming and wavering in the water. Fry Luis drank with such joy that when he had to pause to take breath, his conscience smote him. Never before had he taken such joy in the pleasures of the flesh. He looked up to heaven, therefore, to ask forgiveness of God, and then drank again, filled his canteen, and went back to the ruins. In fact, the water seemed to weigh upon him more than sin. He was weak, and his hands stumbled and fumbled at their work all the rest of the night, and when the morning sounds told him to stop, he had not mined down through the heaped adobe bricks to the pavement. That second day in the open face of the furnace, he endured with only the strength of patience. Forty-eight hours without food drank up the old man's strength, and he looked into the northwest.